Matthew chapter 18, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, through to 27. 37. 27. Where are we going to? 34, thank you, Pete. Thank you. While Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marvelled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. Please keep your Bibles open. Uh, You're going through Matthew's Gospel, um, and we've arrived at this fantastic passage And I really enjoyed um, uh, reading it. I guess, I mean, it was such a wonderfully warm welcome when I walked in the door. I got hugged immediately. I wondered where I was. And so I guess you've now all got the coronavirus. (laughs) Um, uh, Yes, see, uh, it's too late. It's too late. I shook your hand as well. Um, uh, So we're living in an age, aren't we, where, you know, people are panicking about that. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, the panic buying that's going on in Kingston. I mean, toilet rolls. I mean, what's going on here? It's not diarrhoea. Um, so it's mad. But the truth is, people panic because we're living in a dying world. And it's almost as if we've not recognised that. But if you look around, you'll see that the world is dying. And inevitably, you're facing death. And so am I. We're living in a world where... Humans are deteriorating. We're getting older. And although there's some beautiful things, I mean, it's nice to see the sun, uh, but really our world is, is marked by tragedy. You probably know that. It's marked by sorrow and sadness and dying and death. And really, since mankind, people left God in Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible... This world's been under a curse. And it's been under a curse where 
we're sort of spiralling into disaster and to death. The, um, the scientists call it entropy. That's the sort of posh word. And entropy means that this universe is just running down. The environmentalists, you know, all of those uh, rebellion, extinction rebellion people, you know, they're shouting out, aren't they? We've only got 12 years left. And uh, there's, there's all kinds of doom around. And this world is decaying. And we are dying. And there are viruses. But when you open the Bible, this is the amazing thing. When you open the Bible, it's like opening another world. Because you suddenly experience the birth of hope. Suddenly, when you open the Bible, you can raise your head in hope. And the whole thing is that we're looking forward to a coming king who's going to bring history not just to a conclusion, but to a climax. That he's going to eradicate evil. He's going to enthrone goodness. Uh, He's going to transform the universe. And he's going to be the prince of peace. So it's an extraordinary thing. Do you know, I love that when you open the Bible, you suddenly have pictures like this. That the mountains, when he returns, are going to clap their hands. I didn't even know mountains had hands. And then the rivers are going to rise up and clap their hands. So there's something about this hope that there is such joy going to explode in the universe with this hope of this king that's going to come, that all creation is excited and waiting for it. Now, how is that going to happen? How is death going to be turned into life? How is futility and frustration and pain and suffering and brokenness and sadness and sorrow, how is it going to change? Well, this is what this passage is about. I guess that's why um, Rob was excited about it. And the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus is the restorer. He is the king that's going to restore this new world. So Matthew introduces us. I, I, I guess you got it when we read it. He introduces us uh, to a whole load of people suffering and they're suffering in a suffering world. They're desperate people. There's real genuine heartache. These are real people. Yeah? So you've got a father. Did you notice that? You've got a father. He's the ruler of the synagogue. Uh, and he's grieving the death of his 12-year-old daughter. Imagine that. A 12-year-old daughter. Gone. And he's grieving her. He doesn't know what he can, what can you do. What can you do? What is the point of life when, when that happens? Then you've got a woman, and she's had this life-crippling bleeding. I mean, she's been bleeding for 12 years, the same age as the daughter. So 12 years she's been bleeding. Now, that would have made her, as I'll show you in a minute, an outcast, because, you know, they thought of blood and that sort of stuff as something, you know, you'd be outcast. So for 12 years, she's like feeling like a nobody. Then you've got two blind men, and they shout out in desperate need to try to sort of stop Jesus. Then you've got a mute man, a bloke who can't speak, but there's something more than mute going on here, something very evil going on in his life, Uh, so much so that he couldn't bring himself to Jesus, he had to have mates to bring him. So what you've got here in this scene is, is, this is truly a reality show, isn't it? 
I mean, they talk about sort of Love Island or all of that as reality shows, and there's very little reality to any of it, isn't there? But this is a, this is a reality show. You, you could walk down your street, I guess, down here, and you'll find people a bit like this. A father that's lost his daughter. A woman that's seriously ill and feels like she's outcast. Uh, blind men, not knowing where they're going. Bloke who's got something seriously wrong with him. You know, and he's mute. This, these, these, are, these are real people. And they're suffering the real rawness and the hurting of life. But the difference is, Jesus is there. And he's the restorer. And just have a look at it. I've got a different version to you, but you'll, you'll pick it up. Um, a version of the Bible. Uh, uh, not version, but actually translation would be better. Um, so here, here's Jesus, the restorer. And what does he do? What does Jesus do? He restores. He turns death into sleep. Look at verse 23. Little, little number 23. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd... They're the people that are doing... This is the funeral going on. They're singing the dirge, so everybody's weeping. The flutes were sort of make you feel sad. So we're at the funeral. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away! The girl is not dead, she's asleep. (laughs) She is dead. But not when Jesus is around. He turns death into sleep. What an extraordinary restorer he is. There's, there's a poem. I don't know if you've ever heard this poem. It says, No longer must the mourners weep, nor call departed children dead, for death is transformed into sleep, and every grave becomes a bed. That's brilliant. So Jesus can do that. He can turn death into sleep. Now, it's amazing, because if you know any 12-year-olds, they're flipping hard to wake up, aren't they? (laughs) You know, you have to shout, don't you? Teenagers, particularly, you could be shouting your head off, Wake up! Go to school! (sighs) My son, he used to have this amazing alarm clock, which, I've forgotten what it was called. I think it was called a nuclear explosion alarm clock. It had a thing under the pillow that shook the pillow. I could hear it in my bedroom. And then the noise was just like an explosion and still he'd sleep through it we'd all be awake and he'd be asleep his bed was shaking you know but Jesus comes in and there's a nearly a teenager asleep a dead and he he wakes her up easier than I could wake my son up that's Jesus yeah and then look the woman who's bleeding for 12 years look at verse 22 Jesus turned and saw her and said, Take heart, daughter, take heart. He said, Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Twelve years. A slave to this. Take heart. She's healed. Or um, look at these two blind blokes. Jesus touches them. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, Will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. They suddenly see. For the first time. And they look at the mute man. Verse 33. And when the demon was driven out. The man who had been mute. 
spoke. I wonder what he said. Like, whoa, is this my voice? I mean, it's amazing. Now, all of these miracles, come in, come in. All of these miracles are, um, are tokens, if you like. They're pictures of what the new heaven and the new earth will be like. They're, they're a reordering, a recasting of the universe. This is coming. It's not here yet. Well, it is in the person of Jesus, but... When he comes back, it will be completely restored. So here you get Jesus, the restorer. That's what I think Matthew is trying to show us here. Jesus is like the cosmic, all things new bringer. And these, oops, these are pictures of that. All the pain, all the suffering, blindness, this woman, death. That when Jesus comes into the life... He changes that all around and death bursts into life. There's an amazing sentence in another book in the Bible uh, called Colossians. It's Paul writing to a group of Christians that live in the Roman city of Colossae. And he says this, listen to this about Jesus. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him, listen, Reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behaviour. But now he, that's Jesus, has reconciled you to Christ's, by Christ's physical body. Through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. There is something powerful in this restorer who's about restoring everything. He's powerful enough to bring back to God that which we lost when we left him. Jesus is the restorer. There's an, you may have heard of him. Uh, a very, very famous American evangelist uh, called D.L. Moody from, you know, a few centuries ago now. I mean, he's an amazing preacher. You know, preachers, thousands came to him and all, to hear him. But when he was a young preacher, he started out preaching. And he was asked to preach at funerals. <laughs> and uh, he, he thought, well, I'll just preach what Christ preached at funerals. Christ must... He knew Christ went to quite... Jesus went to a lot of funerals. Uh, so he thought, well, I wonder what Jesus' sermon was. And what he discovered was that there isn't a sermon. Because when Jesus is at a funeral, they all come alive again. It's quite amazing. And then there's another one. I, I, uh, there's a picture by a bloke called, I think his name's Arthur Brisbane. And he's painted this weird picture of a caterpillar's funeral, right? And you've got, I hope you get this, you've got all these caterpillars and they're carrying their mate who's died... Who's a cocoon, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's all sort of, you know, it's like a sort of funereal coffin, this cocoon, and it's dead. And they're all weeping, and, and they're carrying them to the place. And above, in the, in the picture, above the cocoon, looking down, bemused at the funeral, is a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's, that's what Jesus does. He's the restorer. He takes death and turns it to life. It's an amazing thing. And he does it by his death. Here's a story about Rob. 
Uh, we used to go to Freshers' Fair at the university in Kingston. It's when all the new kids come to university. They think they know everything, and, uh, and they have the have fair. And uh, I was talking to someone. I could hear Rob in this rather strong uh, debate with a Muslim girl. <laughs> and um, I just heard this girl shouting at Rob. And she said, I've got it written down, the difference between us is that you need someone to die for you and I don't. And I think Rob said, yes. <laughs> In order for this restorer to restore us, Jesus the restorer died for us. He had to take the pain, the poison, the death, the law-breaking, the judgment. And that's why he died. That's the difference between religion and Jesus, the restorer. So that's my first point, Jesus, the restorer. It's an amazing thing. He restores us. So we're not left in this dying world without hope. We're left in this world... To know that there is a sure resurrection because of what Jesus has done. You got that? That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, that is pretty good news, isn't it? For Beckentry, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, go down this road, knock on the door saying, uh, having any problems? Uh, yeah, my daughter's died. Wow. Do you know that there is one that can turn death into life? And he will do that. On the last day. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, now I want you to get this, that Jesus is the great includer. He includes all types of people. Yeah. Did, did you know that? I mean, we saw all of those different people. And he includes them. The problem with religion is, religion excludes. Because if you don't smell like I do, I don't want you. Uh, you know, or if you don't wear the clothes... Or come from the same country, or speak the same language, or look the same. You've got to dress the part, haven't you? That's the thing about religion. You've got to look like this, do this, you know, and then we can be together. And so it excludes anyone that's slightly different. But Jesus is not like that. Just just have a look at the woman here. the, The woman that's been bleeding for 12 years. So verse 20. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him... And touched the edge of his cloak. So here is, here is Jesus in a crowd. She comes up and she touches the edge of his cloak. Now she's been bleeding for 12 years. That means according to the religion she's excluded. Because she's unclean. She's got an issue of blood. Yeah? That's what, what it meant. So all the religion could do is to say, yeah, you're bleeding. Yep, you're excluded. It could only tell us she were wrong. It couldn't do anything about her. And in a sense, she is a picture of all of us. You know, how, how, how do I get back to God? How could religion get me right with God? Well, did you notice what she did? It says she touched the edge of his cloak. What does your version say? Sorry, it's garment. Yeah. The word that is used there is tassel. So, so that they would wear... Anybody got any tassels? You've got... Is, what's your scarf like? Has that got a tassel on it? No. Is there a tassel on it? Yes. Yeah. Can I borrow that? Yeah. Um, 
so these are tassels, yeah? So that's a tassel, yeah. Now, now, when you look through the Bible, and if you go to the Bible book of Numbers, which is in the Old Testament, it tells you what the tassels mean. And the tassels stand for reminding the people of Israel of the commandments, of the laws, of religion. Yeah? You didn't know that, did you? So, so what she's doing is... Now, she shouldn't have even been in the crowd because she's excluded. But it's almost, if it's a, a last-ditch attempt to touch the tassels, the religion, the law. But is it the tassels, her touching the tassels, that made her clean? It's not. It's not the religion. It's not the tassels. It's not her trying to obey the law. Even as she touched it, she was breaking the law she's trying to obey. Because she shouldn't have been there. Look what verse 22 says. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. It's It's Jesus. Um, You've definitely got corona now. Um, uh, It's Jesus. (laughs) It's Jesus. It's Jesus healing her. The law that she touched only says you shouldn't have touched. Do you see the difference? Now, Jesus, before all of this passage we've just read, had talked about new and old and old wineskins and new wineskins and, and uh, bridegrooms and brides. This is new. This is a lover. This is God forgiving. It's not just religion there. It's the gift of Jesus, you see. Imagine her after that meeting. Imagine her going home. I mean, her face is going to be flushed now when it would have been, you know, pale because of all the blood drained out of it. So her face is going to be flushed. There's going to be joy. Twelve years a slave to bleeding. And now, you know, she can go back to if she had a husband and touch him and he can touch her. She can touch people all over. You know, it's amazing. Yeah? She's back in community. And do you think she started saying, do you know what healed me? My touching the law, touching the tassels. Do you think she'd say that? She'd say, do you know what healed me? Jesus healed me. He did it. And her life would be altogether different. And then, just get, I haven't time to go through all of them uh, uh, you know, in any detail, but I, I love this passage because it's so different people included in, 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 in Jesus' family. So the synagogue ruler, he urgently comes, doesn't he? He's a prominent man, important man. Normally people follow his requests, but now he's on his knees asking. He comes urgently. Then you've got this bleeding woman that we've just talked about. She comes secretly, but Jesus heals her. The two blind men, they come desperately. They're yelling at the top of their voices, yeah? And then the mute man, he comes helplessly. He's in the grip of some kind of occult power. Occult power. And Jesus includes all of them in his restoration. All types of people. All from different backgrounds, all with different issues. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. The Bible says that there'll be people from all nations, tribes, languages, people groups. (laughs) It's fantastic. 
However unready, however unprepared, however untaught, however unfit you may be, you are a prime candidate to come into this restored kingdom that Jesus will do. You are. That's why you're here. Isn't that amazing? There's not much like that, because in most religions you have a hierarchy, you have people that are higher and better and more, you know, educated or whatever. Not here. They're wonderful examples of someone who comes urgently, secretly, desperately, helplessly. Then, third point. So we've got him, Jesus the Restorer. Then we've got Jesus the Includer. And the third thing is Jesus the Good News. I mean, I love this. Look at verse 26. News of this spread through all the region. Of course it did. Because it's good news. Yeah. And then look at verse 30. And their sight was restored. So Jesus restores the sight of these blind men. That listen to what Jesus says. Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. So he's telling them, don't tell anyone at the moment. There's all kinds of reasons. I'm not going to go into it. Don't tell anyone at the moment that I did this for you. What happened? Verse 31. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. And then verse 33. The crowd was amazed and said nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. It's almost... I don't know whether Jesus is doing this on purpose. How could they not tell anyone? It's almost like the, the, the new wine in the old wineskin. You put new wine in old wineskin that he talked about as a parable just before this. It blows up. And it's almost like... Jesus is setting this whole thing up to say, don't tell anyone. How can they not? And they burst out. I was blind, I now see. It's extraordinary. It's new wine coming out. I mean, I I don't know whether he'd set it up like that or not, but it feels like that. There's a bursting of good news because when there's hope that there's life in the face of death, then it can't help but burst out. So Jesus is the restorer, the includer, the good news bringer. But here's a fourth point. And this is nuts. Jesus, according to the religious people, is the prince of demons. (laughs) Do you see? Look at verse 34. But the Pharisees, they're the religious bods. They're the old skins. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. How did they get to that? Seriously, how, how blind can you be? Isn't that extraordinary? Is there anything that Jesus has done that would bring you to the conclusion that he's an evil demon person? Seriously. What is up with people? Are they so blind they can't see the good news in Jesus? So that leaves me with my last point. Where are you in this passage? Which one are you? I really hope you're not a Pharisee. (laughs) I really hope you're not. My goodness. Seriously. Are you going to say that what Jesus did was evil... It's amazing, isn't it, these atheists that get onto the TV and blab their mouths off about Christians. Look at us. 
You know, we're not a big group. But I bet you do quite a lot of good stuff because Jesus has changed you. And all I can do is the It's pathetic, isn't it? I hope you're not a Pharisee. Are you one that's actually really suffering? Well then look to Jesus and see that there is a hope. It won't be long. At your funeral you'll be a butterfly and everybody will be looking at the coffin. At your funeral Jesus will be proved to be who he is. He'll take you and restore you. We've got a new hope. We have a real hope for a new world to come. The Bible is so fantastic and so needed. May God bless this to us. That we may bring him praise and shout out that there is good news in him.